0: Is there something that you would rather be doing? Is there somewhere you would rather be living? I'm Kat caldwell Myers, and if this is you, I totally get you. I have lived a lot of my life in those states, and I've done a lot of work around understanding what drives us in the adventure paradox, why we don't do the thing we're really called to do, and what happens when we do or discover that thing is right here right now. Let's go. Kat Caldwell-Myers here. Welcome back to the Adventure Paradox podcast. I have such a special guest here with me today. I am delighted to introduce you to my editor for the book. I could not have done it without you,
1: Carolyn Barnhill. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited, and I'm excited for you. Your book was incredible, bestseller, six categories, right? That's oh, what I'm talking God. about <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. It was such a journey, and
0: you know, from start to finish, the work that we did together, editing, began. I think in March. Does that sound about right? It was about March. Yeah, so March, April, May, June, July, August, more or less with with some big breaks in there for summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about about 6 months and I think what's fascinating and so many people are reaching out to me about writing a book and this came up in yeah. my quarantine chapter, right? The number of creatives who in quarantine finally got still enough and dedicated to actually do the thing. And in my case, it was writing the book. But not editing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not writing.
0: Not publishing it. And there are so many steps. And I recognized when you set the goal to quote, write the book, because so many people say, we're going to write the book. That's one thing. But actually editing the book, refining it, thinking about how it reads for an audience and publishing it, that is not only where you come in, but also for me, where the true transformation came in because it's where I accessed the power of the next chapter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of people out there who are writing a book. I'm going to write my book. I'm writing my book. I'm planning my book for 10 years. I see this all the time. People who have just Planned forever and then eventually sit down and finally write it. And COVID was like that for my industry specifically. When we first started with COVID, I was like, oh no, because no one's spending any money, right? So no one's going to hire an editor. That's optional in many people's (laughs) eyes or an extra expense. So no one was hiring editors for about two months. And then boom, I kept getting all of these requests from people who were like, I wrote a book during COVID or their stories when they would send me their book to edit. It was always like about my experience with COVID or that was in the introduction was like, since we have time off now, because I'm working from home or I'm not working at all, I finally am going to write my book and then they would do it. So I got just massive people coming in who had written these COVID books. And I was like, this is great. I was in the age of Instagram and TikTok, where everything's so image and video oriented. It's nice for me to know that there are still people out there who are like, I have all this extra time. I can finally write a book. That makes me a little literature heart sing.
0: Oh my gosh. And mine too. And I feel we live in a world where the written word, I mean, literally something that you can hold in your hand and not scrolling, right? Not um, scrolling, but actually this physical hard copy that I can hold in
1: my hand. I can dog ear, right? And it smells like a book. I just love them. So I'm like, oh, they smell good. <laughs> so The books and the stories
0: that were coming to you out of COVID, what was sort of the general vibe of those stories or those authors? What were these book babies that were being birthed?
1: I got a lot of personal transformation sort of stories. I think that people did some thinking when you have a job and you go to the job every day and it sort of becomes job, kids, dinner, whatever your life may be. People don't always think about like, what is my dream or what am I really wanting to do? Or what am I missing? We sort of just go about our day because who has time to think about those things? And then when COVID hit, not only were people scared health-wise and rightly so, but they also had more time in that sense. A lot of people did. And so I think I got a lot of people sort of really thinking about what's important and then wanting to write about what they had found was important either to them, to the world, helping society. I got a lot of that kind of stuff. Now that I've had time to really think about this, here are my conclusions and I want to share them with you. I did get some fiction. I get a decent amount of fiction either way, but I did get some fiction, but it was a lot of nonfiction, I think, more than fiction books written during COVID that I saw. Okay. And (laughs) you
0: were already working as an editor prior to COVID.
1: Yes. I've been working. I was working as a freelance editor for years. I got an English degree. I wanted to write first, and then I sort of got... Super, like the pressure would get to me. The inner editor basically would shut me down. And so I was like, I hate this, but I love the part at the end when I had written something and I got to fix it and make it better. And so after years and years and years of doing well, but I just hated that process, I was like, why don't you just do that? You can just do that. Right. And so I started freelancing and I was like, we'll see what happens. And it really took off and it did well. And I started my own company. And so Yeah. I've done editing for gosh, maybe 10 years now. And then gradually transitioned into book coaching because so many of my editing clients had questions about what to do next or what they should have done better. They had so many questions and there was no resource of like, I'm going to go email Penguin Classics and they're going to answer all my publishing questions. Like nobody knows how to do it unless they already know how to do it. So I started coaching as well.
0: Sure. Well, and two things coming out of this. One is What an amazing world and time we live in that we can bypass the find an agent, go through the publication process. We can go straight to Amazon. We can go straight to a coach, someone who knows exactly how the process works to get you there. In yeah. real time. I mean, that's incredible. And also, I know none of us works alone, whether we're working with a coach or working with a team. You also have a business partner who adds to the author's experience by adding coaching for speaking and media. Is that right, your
1: partner? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I started this company with my fiance, Mark Monaster, and he is a lifelong musician and public speaker. So what we do with the other thing that we find, other than people don't know how to do this publishing in this day and age, they're used to I have to send my book off to a bunch of publishers or try to get an agent and then wait to get rejected a whole bunch of times. The other thing is that people don't really know what to do with their book once they've written it, especially self help nonfiction authors. Like fiction authors, you're going to write another book. That's kind of where you go with that. But for nonfiction self help, people are like, okay, now what do I do? Like, I don't know. How do I make this a thing? And it's like, let's make you an expert. Like go speak. Let's make a course. Let's turn you into an expert teacher because there's way more money in that than there is in trying to sell your book. That's just true. Um, Unless you just happen to go super New York times bestseller, (laughs) then otherwise like you really have to make it happen. And it's a lot easier to do that. And it impacts way more lives that way. So Mark handles a lot of the like, this is how you really position yourself as an expert. This is how you learn to speak, stage presence, how to overcome nervousness, which everyone needs. I mean, even right now, like on Zoom, there's so much stuff done virtually. Everyone's sort of turned into a public speaker (laughs) now that we've gone into the Zoom world. So people need help. They need to learn how to have those conversations in an authentic and genuine way. And so he does a lot of that. And then we work together to do a lot of the business coaching. So I'll tell people how to craft a story. Like how do you set up your website that's engaging, that's crafts that story. And then he's kind of a lot of the performance, like this is what makes it look really good. So we combine on certain things. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And I love that
0: y'all are committed to each other for the long haul.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We knew each other in high school. So like <laughs> Adorable. Oh my gosh. No, everybody thinks it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's so sweet though. So let's talk a
0: little bit more about the Amazon publishing process because again, people have so many questions and it's been interesting to me. I think because I had done a lot of research around becoming a self-published author on Amazon and seen the possibility, seen the runway, but also seen wow, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of little things to figure out like any technology, but some of the benefits that I didn't fully understand until going through and committing to the process myself. So for example, on-demand printing, would you just say something about that and explain it for those who don't know?
1: Yeah. On-demand printing is how Amazon prints all of their paperback, hardback books. And what that means is that when someone orders your book, let's say this person over here orders your book, Amazon's going to print one copy of that book to send to them. Before that was available, if you didn't go through a traditional publisher and you self-published, you'd have to find a website where you would have to order like a minimum number of books. So you would have to spend like $2,000 ordering a whole bunch of your books in order to have paperback or um, hardcover. Whereas Amazon prints them on demand. So you don't have to like pay a ton of money to get all of these books that you then have to hold on to try to sell or whatever. They buy it on the website. It's printed on demand. They don't print mass quantities of your book, which makes it cheaper for you to get started with this. You don't have to have some sort of like crazy upfront investment to publish a paperback on Amazon.
0: Hey, Kat here for a quick commercial break. If you haven't heard my book, The Adventure Paradox is available on Amazon And it's been getting some really amazing reviews. It's actually been a little bit overwhelming uh, and maybe too much to say in the middle of this interview. So we'll get back to it. But I did want to let you know it is available. It was a bestseller in six categories. And if you really enjoy this podcast, I think you will really enjoy this book. So please go check it out. Which is phenomenal. I think if we think about the traditional publishing company sort of runway where you would find your agent and then they would look at your book, they would look at the market, they would make a decision about how many books they would think might sell in this market, whether you're a new author or established, et cetera, they would say, okay, 200,000 books, they would take a cut. And then if those books don't sell, and please correct me if I don't have this right, but if they don't sell you end up with all these books because they couldn't sell them and they don't want to deal with marketing them after their campaign that are sitting in your storage locker now.
1: Yeah. For some people, that is definitely the way it would go. And publishers have always, they look at the cost of marketing for them. So they say, we think it'll sell, let's say use 200,000 copies. And then this is how much it's going to cost us to get people to buy that because you can't just write a book and then like people are going to fall on top of it. You have to position it. And even in Barnes and Noble, like all those little places where those books are, those are paid for. Those aren't random. Like the employees aren't going, oh, this one looks interesting. Let's put it on this table. Oh no, that's paid for by publishers. So all of that cost was in there. And then usually the way they would do it is they would offer you an upfront payment And then you get a certain percentage of your sales royalties once they make that money. So if it was like they give you $30,000 in a check, you get nothing until your percentage adds up to like $30,000 and then you'll start getting royalties. So if it doesn't sell well, that's the end of it. And I know $30,000 seems like an exorbitant amount of money, but that's not really the case. It doesn't happen that way anymore. Publishers, they don't have the money to market paperback because everybody can go on Amazon. Like it's not worth it for them. So now publishers are less likely to look for quality work. Like, do we think this book is an amazing book? And they're looking at your following on social media. So in your query that you actually submit, they will ask you like, what's your social media following? And if you look like you can market for yourself, then they'll offer you a deal. But if you're marketing for yourself, like why give that percentage to the publisher? Because they're using your followers. Market it on your own and you get 100%. That's right. Amen. And I also think, I just want to say
0: loud and clear for people, <laughs> Amazon has changed our world. <laughs> it really has. has absolutely changed our world. Let's just checkmark a few things. Look at how Amazon figured out how to create their own shipping company, Amazon Prime. Incredible. Look at how we can publish a book on Amazon directly. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. There are so many others how you can sell your product directly through Amazon, have your own shipping company, have your own publishing company. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And it's making me think shout out to Ani DeFranco. I don't know if you're an Ani fan or not, (laughs) but here was this young girl who had this super strong, powerful voice. And she started pitching herself to make albums and then said, forget this. I'm going to make my own album. And be a righteous babe, righteous babe records, right? And create my own and then own it all. And that that's possible. I mean, Amazon makes that possible. The other thing, our mutual friend Nim Stant who introduced us, I remember her saying, you won't make any money on your book. Like that's not the point of making a book.
1: That is very true. It is very difficult to make a lot of money selling A book. Now, if you write prolifically and you publish 120 that you're getting royalties on pieces every day, then yes, but you write and publish one book. It's difficult to make a million dollars, like 699 at a time. It just is. So you have to then use your book as like a pedestal for your business. Like, what are you going to do with it? And that's one of the benefits of like having a program with coaches is that they'll help you like, this is what you do to actually make your book, not just successful on its own, but help you to be more successful in everything you do. Yes. Yes. So essentially I feel like understanding that, and for
0: me, the book writing process, and then the incredible experience of having your book show up in the mail (laughs) getting to open it. And also the experience, because I think it's important to touch on of becoming a bestseller and Amazon, I was just thinking you've got like New York times, bestseller, you've got all of these different lists. How do you become a bestseller on Amazon? And when we're talking about the six categories and knowing you know, how to find your market, your niche for the particular book that you have coming out. Will you explain the bestseller process for people, please?
1: Yes. So the process itself on Amazon is that first you create your KDP author account, which is fairly simple, self-explanatory. And then you can upload all of your book details, like the interior, your cover, all of your stuff. But it asks you for keywords and you can enter seven keywords in Amazon But keep in mind, this is one thing people don't know a lot is that those keywords are in addition to what's in your title, your subtitle, and your description. So people a lot of times will reuse the same keyword everywhere. You don't actually have to do that because Amazon uses all of those. So you can hit seven different ones. And one of the best ways to find your keywords, if you don't hire somebody to do research for you is to use Google keyword has a thing where you can enter in like, mystery thriller. And it'll give you a list of like all of the keywords that have been recently searched that are related to that, how many there are per day, per month, like different years. So you can get like a whole list of hundreds of suggestions for you because people often think a keyword is one word, like mystery, thriller, crime. It's not, you can put like best mystery thriller of 2023 or whatever you want to put on there. The whole phrase counts. So You enter in your keywords and then you choose categories. And this is probably one of the most important parts other than your book description and your cover, because that's what people judge you on of whether they're going to get it or not. So make sure your cover is great, professionally designed. Your description is really good and professionally edited, y'all, because I get a lot of people who have their books. They pay a lot of money for their books to be edited and then they don't send their description in. So... Make sure your editor (laughs) proofreads your book description. But anyways, you pick your categories and Amazon lets you pick two to three categories and you really want to pick categories that are accurate for your book. So don't just pick something that doesn't really describe your book, but seems like a really teeny tiny category. But you do want to pick as specific a category as you can because Amazon's bestseller rankings are based on category. So let's say your book is nonfiction, it's self-help, it's of, I don't know, mental health transformation or something like that. So you have all these like subcategories within it. You can win bestseller in each one of those. So you can win bestseller of mental health. You can win bestseller of self-help. You can win bestseller of nonfiction. You can win bestseller of Kindle eBooks and Kindle books, like all of those count. So make sure that you're picking different categories and that they're accurate. So you can, you know, like you might want to pick like nonfiction and instead of self-help, pick something else like fitness. I don't know, something that describes your book, but pick something else so you can win more categories.
0: Sure. Which is, I mean, I have to say the experience of, getting the call that my book was a bestseller in six categories. (laughs) I don't know if you saw, but I did a Facebook live with my husband. It's like three minutes because it's, what do they call it? Your five minutes of fame, right? But (laughs) it's like such a beautiful, amazing and humbling experience to also recognize everything you've worked for you're, it's now out there sharing and serving people. Like people are downloading my book and reading it. And hopefully, and you know, because this is the opening chapter, this book is in no small way meant to change your life because it's about changing your story and recognizing, wait a second, what are these stories I'm telling myself? And I think what's coming up for me is the idea of paradox which the adventure paradox, right, is the title of my book. But I, it's the <laughs> paradox of like so many people say they want to write a book, say that they have a book in them, yeah. but then they don't do it. It's all talk. It's the same with when I lose 10 pounds, I need to lose 10 pounds, etc. Will you share with us what you see? Two things. One, why is that a thing? Number two, When people do finally come to you, what do you see happen? Like, what do you see in them where you're like, wow, this one's really ready. I think we're going to make it all the way through. Or maybe this one's showing up and they've put their money down, but we'll see how it goes. What's your experience been? We're going to take a short break and I'm recording this from a beautiful garden, which reminds me so much of my grandma's garden and places where we go, so much resonance for us. It's the smell, it's the touch, it's the look, it's the ambiance. And I invite you on a journey to some of my favorite places in my first book, The Adventure Paradox, available on Amazon. It's a bestseller in six categories and has been getting amazing reviews. But more than that, this book is meant in no small way to change your life. And the feedback from my clients and first readers is that it has and will. So you don't want to miss this one. Go check it out.
1: Okay. So the biggest difference for that I see in as far as like when people are in the phase of I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book this it's on their New Year's resolution, whatever it is. I know it happens. It happened to me. I'm with you. Okay. Because I had the inner editor. I get it what I like to tell people is that there are two to-do lists that we have in life. Like in our heads, we think we make a to-do list. We don't, we make two and that to-do list goes stuff. I absolutely, absolutely have to do today. Like mandatory. Can't not do this. And then stuff. Hopefully I'll do today. So stuff you have to do today is like take your kids to school or pick your kids up or whatever. Like these are mandatory things where you're going to suffer a consequence of some sort should you not do them. So we put them on the mandatory list. Writing a book often goes on the if I have time, I'll address this in my day. I really, really hope I get to it kind of place. If you put it there, you're never going to have time because something else is always going to seem like it's more on fire than your book. Because the fact of the matter is the only person who suffers if you don't write your book is yourself, especially for people who have not announced it or like joined a group or have a writing partner. Like if it's just you by yourself, you're like, I'm going to write a book and then I'm going to tell everybody once it's published, which is how a lot of us do do it. No one's going to know. If you postpone it, no one knows. So you have to put it on that to-do list. Like you have to think of it that way that when I write my I'm writing my book today, writing it, but in the chair, because the book doesn't get written. If you're behind is somewhere else. You have to put your behind in the chair and type it. So that's really the biggest difference is more of a mindset thing. And honestly, every so often I see authors who come through our program who don't like really get there. Most of the time, by the time they come to me, they're like, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I've been writing my book for three years or whatever it is, six months. I I give up, help me. And then they're typically pretty committed, especially once they realize that it doesn't take as much time as they think. When you have a coach and you have like group accountability, it's not that hard with like 30 minutes a day. You can have a book in four months. It's, It's really not that hard. But you have to do it the right way. If you sit there overthinking it, you're never going to get there because you're not actually writing any more words. You're thinking about the words in your head. So I don't really have that happen very often where people come to me and then they sort of fall off the wagon. Every so often I do never in one-on-one coaching, sometimes in a group, you'll see somebody like start to get behind or they feel behind and then they kind of disappear for a few weeks. And usually if they disappear for more than two weeks, they're going to be gone for a while. They always come back. They come back like three months later, six months later, and they're like, okay, I'm ready now. But if they disappear for about two or three weeks, they're probably gone for a little while. But the people who come every week, even if they didn't write anything and they're like, I didn't do my stuff, I'm sorry. They tend to stay. And so those people, I just don't see a lot of fallout. And once they come to me, most of the people publish within six months. (laughs) Right. Like, like my
0: experience. (laughs)
1: Right. Like once they come to me, they, I mean, like, this is like all the way from idea through editing, formatting, book cover, bestseller, like six months, if they, if they, if they come to me and they're serious about it. Yeah.
0: So another idea that's coming up for me, a popular expression is done is better than perfect. Yeah. Something, especially at the end, when we were working together, that came up repeatedly which again goes back to Amazon changing the world, right? But the idea that even once you're published, if something comes out, and this was also really helpful for me, there will be things that you don't like about your book. You told me that. You were like, just be ready for that. It's going to be a little too high on one page or the indent or whatever. There might be a typo. Oh, just be ready. There will be something. And that was really good for me to recognize This is not about perfection because if it's about perfection, we could do this for 10 years.
1: That's why people do it for 10 years. Exactly. This is exactly why it happens. The people who have it on that, because they're like, it has to be perfect. It doesn't. It really doesn't. First of all, that's what editors are for. So that gets you through the big hump is knowing that an editor has looked at this thing once or twice can help you immensely. But even with that, there's going to be something that you decide you don't like, whether it is a typo or it's I thought I liked this font. But then as I'm looking at it more and more, I hate this font or whatever it is. It could be something about your cover. Amazon lets you re-upload everything. The only thing you can't change is the name of the author and the title of your book incredible. You can rewrite your description. You can change your categories. You can re-upload the entire book interior, like new cover, everything. And no matter how long you wait, you're going to find something. There's going to be something. Even if it's five years from now, you're doing something through your book and you're like, Ooh, that bullet points weird looking or whatever it's going to happen. So you just publish it and then order one copy. So you can look at it for yourself. (laughs) And then once you have it perfect, then you can do your full on launch.
0: So yeah. speaking of that, because I think, again, to make sure people really understand what we're saying. So one little example. So on mine, we have the title and then I always have a quote and mm-hmm. then the chapter begins. Well, there were two chapters where we forgot a quote
1: <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs>
0: and mm-hmm. and re reformatting them. So the point is, even once you've published, yeah. you can still go back and change things. You don't have 10,000 of these books already published that you can't change. I mean, it's just mind boggling to understand the process and that it's okay and it's possible. And at a certain point, I'll never forget how liberating it was. And it's also the word I coined in the book excitifying, both exciting and terrifying at the same time, right? You realize, wow, this book is out there. I have relatives reading the book that honestly, this book was not written for them. I mean, I talk about my bosoms filling up, you know, as it's time to get back to my baby, right? I hadn't thought about certain male members of my family reading that. Again, my book, I knew, was designed for women, mothers, and caretakers. So knowing your audience and then also recognizing, again, once you put a book out there, you're going to have critics. You're going to have incredible reviews. I mean, some of the feedback and messages that I've gotten, the purpose of this book is working, that it's changing people's lives. But the flip side is you've got the critics too. What would you say for people listening who might be in fear about how their book will be received?
1: Yeah, I get this a lot. Basically, the way that this works is that if you write your book or do anything with your book in an effort to make sure no one will criticize you, it will be boring and vague. Like the end result is boring and vague. The other thing that I say is that it's a lot easier to get people to buy something that's specifically for them. So when you're worried about like, oh, I might eliminate all these readers. If I say in my book title, like a woman's guide to blah, blah, blah. Like, well, maybe men would like, if your audience is going to be mostly women, put that in there. And the example I give on this, not everybody loves, but the example I give on this is if you can't get your dog to stop pooping on the living room floor every morning, and you go to Barnes and Noble to look for a book to help you, and you have how to train your dog. And then you see a book that says, how to get your dog to stop pooping on the living room floor every morning, which book are you gonna pick? You're gonna pick the specific one because it specifically solves your problem. So even though a lot more people may pick up how to train your dog, they're always going to buy the one that specifically is for them. If they feel like this, I have to have this one, then you have like a 100% buy rate. And that's better than trying to advertise to 10 million people with like a 0.05%, like whatever it is. It's way easier when you have something very specific that you market to very specific people because then they're way more likely to go, that's exactly what I need. I would like that today. Thank you.
0: I love this. It's <laughs> very specific. You are such a gift to the world and I was reading you. your bio. I know. <laughs> It's true though. Let's, let's get all sappy for a
1: moment. you're sweet to me.
0: (laughs) Like the story that you wrote when you were six, will you just give everyone a synopsis because that's what you're doing now.
1: It is. So how I learned I wanted to be in writing and literature was that when I was in like second grade, first grade, somewhere around, I was like six years old. One of my teachers assigned us to write a short story, like a full book where they staple it together in the middle. And you made like a book. And so I wrote this story about a heart. So like my little drawing was like a heart with little legs and arms, right? And it met and fell in love with another heart. And they were perfect little hearts together, which is, I suppose, adorable and also very dorky. But my teacher loved this story, loved this book. She was like, this is so wonderful. She went like on about how talented I was. And that was the moment that I was like, wait, I could be a writer. That was the first thing I remember someone telling me I could really do as a career. And I've never forgotten that. And it's why I am where I am today is because somebody said to me, you can do this, like you're good at this. And that feeling as a child was like this huge deal to me that I've never forgotten, even if it was a really dorky story. And she probably said that to all the students. I don't know, but it meant a lot to me.
0: Well, and I love hearing you share it because it means a lot to me. And I know our listeners hearing that, like that story resonates. How about your first book that you wrote and published, or maybe the book you're most proud of and your own personal experience in that?
1: Well, to be honest, most of the books that I have written and published have been through ghostwriting. So they are not under my name. And then a lot of them have contracts where like, I don't go say I wrote this book. (laughs) So we're not going to talk about those. But I do have a writing prompts book that I actually wrote. And of course, since it's prompts, it's not super long, but I get tons of people who write to me and are this really helped me get started. And I really sort of put it together for my coaching clients as like we talk about free writing and the brain dump and like inner editor and all that sort of stuff. So one of the things I advocate in my program is using writing prompts to get you writing but you're not journaling because there are a lot of people who sort of end up stuck in this. Like I wrote a thousand words a day, but it's all inner thought journaling stuff, which isn't bad, but it's not always easy to publish. So to segue that I would give them writing prompts. And I put this writing prompt book together and did marketing campaign hit bestseller with it. And I was like, Oh, this is, so is my first bestseller. So to me, that one's sort of sentimental just because I know the feeling you're talking about when you hit bestseller in multiple categories, you're like, Oh yeah. my mom was so proud it was really cute my mom was like oh my gosh my daughter's a best-selling author and I was just like mom of all the stuff I've done this is the thing she's like this is the thing (laughs) it really it's
0: the ripple effect I mean my mom too where you're like wow not only is it happening for me you see how when you put your gift out there it grows. Yeah, it really does. yeah. Will you send me the link for that book so we can put it in the show notes? Yeah, and sure. I want a
1: copy. <laughs> sure. We can do that. I would love a copy.
0: Anything else you want to share? I know you have some offers right now, or any other thoughts you have for writers or potential writers out there?
1: Yeah, I do. The thing is, people tend to. Not want to put money into creative avenues. I think we all kind of have this idea of like the starving artist thing. And so it's like, well, I can't put money into that because that's a hobby or some far sighted dream. And I would like to point out that the more you refer to it as a far sighted dream, the less likely you are to actually do it. So don't do that. But if you want to try to write your book yourself, you absolutely should. Some people have the self discipline to get through it, they just do. But most of us don't. Most of us need a coach or a group or a partner or whatever it is. And in that case, seek that guidance. Find it somewhere. Ideally with me, we do offer that as part of one stage media. We offer coaching and we have group coaching. We have write-ins every week. We have all kinds of resources for writers looking to get their book written. But just sort of make it a priority. You have to really view it that way. Not. It could happen later, but now, and that it is worth the money to do it, not necessarily because you're going to get rich selling a bunch of books, but because it changes your outlook on what you can do. You're a best-selling author now. Like you can teach people how to do what you did or what you learned in your book. Like the thing that you write about in your book, you can teach people that. And then the readers who read your book will come to you and say, help me. Like I need need help. And then you can work with them. That's how you do well. That's how you truly like free yourself from whatever job you want to get out of. You can use your book to become an expert and teach other people the stuff you know. And everybody is an expert. I know we all have like this imposter syndrome of like, well, I don't know. Yes, you are. I promise we can. That's one of the things we do in the first onboarding call when you work with me is it's like if people don't have like a firm idea of like what their business could be, we talk about that. Before we even start writing a book, let's talk about what you're going to do after this because we don't want to start writing a book that you can't make a ton of money from. So let's make this like really good, solid idea that will not only bring the most impact, but bring some revenue because at the end of the day, we would all like to get paid well for our time. (laughs) So get those resources, join Facebook groups, join writing groups. We have one if you're interested, but even if it's not through us, get some accountability because that will help you put it on that mandatory list.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like my personal experience, I was able to get pregnant with the book <laughs> i wrote the book but actually delivering and editing and understanding essentially what was going on with that book before i delivered it then in the delivery process and again we're geared towards women mothers and caretakers so if you're not down with this birthing analogy <laughs> but the truth is essentially yeah. our experience of working together you were kind of like my doula helping me make sure i was showing up and thinking about the audience Mm -hmm. and making it the best book it could be. And then also delivering it and all right, I'm not touching it anymore. Now it's getting formatted. We have a launch date. I'm showing up on launch date, even though it was the day after my kids started school at a brand new school. (laughs) It was was tough timing, but it was beautiful because We had said we would get it out in summer. We literally got it out the last day of summer, August 31st.
1: And, you know, your child's making like a a fresh start. And so is mommy. Like this is mommy's new school. Yeah, that's true. kids see that kind of stuff. They see us taking risks and like doing things that are out of their comfort zones. And I think that that's so inspiring to them. And we can't always control what they like, cause they see everything. And you think that they don't until they're 17 and tell you that they saw something or whatever it is. But it's like the stuff, my daughter tells me that she perceived like, Oh, you inspired me in this moment or this helped me. I'm like, I don't even remember that, but she does. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, watching you. So you did first day of school and then you did first day of mommy's like a full-on author today. Really full-on author today. And you hit bestseller.
0: It's great. amazing. Well, I think the other thing that's so amazing about children or animals, I know you're an animal owner and lover, but... Boy, I have too many, too many. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't just watch us, they feel us. So when we're feeling it, they're feeling it. And it goes vice versa. My kids are sick. Even if I'm healthy, I'm like now things are different. I'm taking care of them and but changes our schedule and so on. One of the great paradoxes of working for yourself is that your work is always with you. If it doesn't happen, it's all of that, like the two priority tier.
1: That is a blessing and a curse, I will say, because the blessing is I can work anywhere. If my child is sick, I can go get my kid at any drop of the hat. I can do things. The problem is other people know that at a drop of the hat, I can do things. And then my kids are like, I have a headache. And I'm like, no, you know what I mean? Like it's sort of you have to oh, learn to set boundaries when you work for yourself. Hard boundaries, because otherwise you'll end up running around doing stuff for everybody else and you'll be like, what happened to my business? Oh
0: my gosh, so true. <laughs> because
1: the blessing yeah. occurs, it's wonderful to work for yourself, especially as a mother, because you can spend that extra time and do those things. But you do have to sort of really make sure you're careful with boundaries, or otherwise you will not get anything done. <laughs> right. Right. The, the same with writing your book. I mean, exactly the same. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh, I love (laughs) your QR code up here for those who are watching this on social media. Boom, they can connect with you. We'll put more info into the show notes for how to connect. But do you want to say anything? Maybe share your website for those who are just listening, how they could find you.
1: Sure. Everything's one stage media. So onestagemedia.com, it's with the number one, but if you type it with letters, it I own that one too. So it'll send you the right place. Instagram, one stage media, Facebook, everything is. At One Stage Media, you can find us anywhere, super easy to do. We have a new group writing class starting almost every week. So feel free to check that out on our website under writing. We have courses, we have coaching, we have all kinds of stuff. There's also some free things in there as well, like articles. And we do a bestseller masterclass to teach everybody who doesn't know how to do all this Amazon stuff. We talked about how to pick keywords and categories and all that sort of stuff to get their book to bestseller without having to pay anyone to do it for them.
0: Fantastic. And I already know I have a huge posse of listeners who have been reaching out to me asking, how did you write this book? What's the process? So I'll tag them all on social media and maybe Uh we'll (laughs) co-create something cool, right? Because- That would
1: be really fun. Yeah, yeah. Really, really fun.
0: Yeah, stay tuned. More on that. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any final thoughts, throw them out there.
1: Thank you for having me. I really had a lot of fun. Oh, this is super fun for me. So thank you so much for having me here.
0: You're welcome. Okay, the time has come for us to end this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. You listened all the way to the end. I appreciate you. And if you loved this podcast, please share it with a friend drop me a review. We all love five stars, but any stars, any feedback is welcome as a guest in the guest house of Rumi's Poem, which you can find in my virtual workshop on catcaldwellmyers.com. Would love to see you there if you want to continue the party and have an adventure of a day.